listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. I'm going to be um, teaching on the supernatural benefits of fasting. And the reason I wanted to do that is because uh, even growing up uh, in Pentecostal church and being around people that fast and pray and all that, sometimes uh, it's, it's taught or you can hear people who they believe that all fasting does is really just weaken your flesh. All fasting does is put the flesh under. And that couldn't be further from the truth. That's one thing that it does, but it is not by any means the only thing that it does. Fasting and prayer unlock spiritual benefits. I'm going to say that again so that you, you can, you can understand where we're going. Fasting and prayer unlock spiritual benefits. And it's a, I said this the other night and I'm going to post it uh, on Instagram today. Um, Fasting is a supernatural transaction that provokes God's interaction. I'm going to say that again. Fasting is a supernatural transaction that provokes God's interaction. Very, very important to understand that because we have to understand it's not a natural thing. It's not just starvation. It's not just a hunger strike. It's not, that's not what we're doing. It's not a diet. It's not for weight loss, although you will lose weight. It is a supernatural transaction that provokes God's interaction. And we know that from scripture because uh, the Bible says that when we draw near unto God, he will draw near unto us. We take the first step and then he comes and takes the second step moving toward his people who are seeking him. And we know that the Bible teaches that God's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. And so I don't think you can get any more diligent than fasting and prayer. You can't get any more diligent than that. And so uh, as we're fasting and praying, we're expecting. That's why I love that somebody jumped on, I think it was Leslie, jumped on this morning and said, expect, 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 expect big. That's why we're expecting because what we're doing is something that provokes God's power and his favor in our lives. It's important to understand God doesn't change. He's the same always. He said that in the book of Malachi, I am the Lord, your God. I do not change. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, forever, right? But it's important to understand that though God doesn't change and fasting doesn't change God, prayer doesn't change God. But on the other hand, God has set up a system. It's his own method and said it in his word that when we seek him diligently, he would find us and reward us for our seeking. And so that doesn't mean God's changing. It means he's doing what he's always done. He, w- he did this in the Old Testament. He did this back at the beginning of time. If his people would seek him, he would come and meet them at their point of faith. And that's how it works. That's not God changing. That's God doing what he's always done. So 
Fasting is a supernatural transaction that provokes God's interaction. And so you should expect uh, supernatural benefits as you fast and pray. Without question, you should. Because we, and that's why I took the time to write about it. That's why I took the time to teach so much on it is because I want you to go into this understanding what you're going to get out of it. And that is big because it sets your faith to a certain place. And when your faith is set, get ready because God meets you at your point of faith. <laughs> Jody said, I ordered two cases of Zevia. If I don't, if I don't get it, I'm shipping it to Miracle Word for Ted. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. I love the Zevia. So we're going to jump in today. Spiritual benefits, supernatural benefits of fasting. And if you have your Bible, I want you to start by turning with me to Isaiah chapter 58. And um, we're going to deal with this. Now, it was interesting because in this passage of Isaiah, God is actually speaking to them um, about the fact that he's not happy with their fasting. And they say, well, Lord, why, why wouldn't you be happy with our fasting? He said, because of what you're doing, you're fasting. Yeah, but you're mistreating those that work for you. You're holding back wages. You know, he said, you're still quarreling. You're not uh, honoring your parents. I mean, he goes, he goes through all these things. And he said, you seek your own pleasure, oppress your workers. You quarrel and fight. Um, all these things you hit with a wicked fist. You know, he said, when you, when you're doing all those things, what, what point is the fasting? What's the point of fasting? What, what point does that make? He said, I want you to, he said, but I, I want you to do it in such a way that's pleasing unto me. I want you to uh, humble yourself. And, and by the way, I put this on uh, Twitter and Instagram this morning as I was just kind of reading through uh, our plan together. Matthew 23 came across that verse uh, where it said, if you'll humble yourself, you'll be exalted. But if you exalt yourself, you will be humbled. And it made me think about the power of humility. And if you can go back and look at it on Instagram or Twitter, but what I wrote was, it's interesting, that humility or meekness is the key to, number one, inheritance, Matthew 5, 5. The Bible says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And then, of course, it's the key to promotion. Jesus said, if you humble yourself, you'll be exalted. And then, of course, it's also the key to God's favor. For the Bible says God opposes the proud, but he gives more grace or favor to the humble. That's James 4, 6. And then, of course, it's also the key to greatness. The Bible tells us that Moses was the meekest man in all the earth. And he was very great in the eyes of the Egyptians, including Pharaoh. And I put that in there, those references. Meekness is the key to inheritance, promotion, favor, and greatness. Pride, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. And so pride is a killer. And one of the things, the reason I'm mentioning that, uh, and I like that quote, Jessica, meekness is power under control. It's, it's important to remember this. Meekness is not weakness. Meekness is not weakness. It is power under control. So, so understand, um, the reason I'm saying that is because fasting, one of the purposes of fasting, if you study it, is to actually humble yourself. 
and the nation of Israel used it that way. Uh, people in the New Testament used it that way. Look at the Apostle Paul. What a story. He was Saul. He was killing God's people. He was killing God's people. He was uh, uh, murdering God's people, the Christians. And then he had that experience on the road to Damascus. But you know what the Bible says, and I write about it in this book, that after he had that experience on the road to Damascus with the Lord, the Bible says that Paul ate and drank nothing for three days, just sat in there, didn't even have his vision and ate and drank nothing. And uh, what I wrote is, as most believe, Paul Uh, Though, yes, he probably was in a state of shock, he was also probably in a state of mourning for his own actions. I mean, I want you to think about this. Imagine, if you will, being a Christian for your entire life, being raised in Christianity, being, being a Christian for 30 years, let's say, and then all of a sudden you have this experience with the Lord where the Lord tells you, you realize you've been doing everything all wrong and you're working against me and my plan. And you get this, you get this thing like, I can't believe it. I thought I'd been doing what's pleasing to God for 30 years. And he now appears to me and tells me that I'm I'm working against him. And, and, and of course, uh, Saul grew up, he was rising up through the ranks of the Pharisees very quickly, uh, all that. And he's, and he's, you know, persecuting Christians because he thinks that they're doing something to take away from the worship of God. It's this new sect. It's this new, probably a cult, right? And he's working against them. He's trying to kill them and all that. And then all of a sudden the Lord appears to him and says, why are you trying to work against me? You're fighting against me and, and humbles him. And I'm sure uh, that he sat there in those three days fasting in a state of mourning and humility to realize, I can't believe this. I've been working against God this entire time. And so fasting and prayer is a form of humbling yourself. In fact, I will say this, that um, during the Old Testament period, there uh, there are passages of scripture where that is what the word humble yourself meant. Uh, they, they humbled themselves with fasting. It talks, it's talking about the fact that they fasted to humble themselves. And so we know it's a purpose, but those are the benefits that come from your humility, exaltation, promotion, favor. You see inheritance, greatness, God lifts you up. God's the one who lifts you up. So very interesting. We're, and today we're going to, we're going to go over, uh, some of these supernatural benefits. So what happens when you begin to fast and pray properly and, and you're pleasing God with your actions, what are some of the, the effects that fasting has upon your life? Well, we're going to, we're going to read from Isaiah 58 here and talk about some of these. But, uh, as I told you, God was unhappy with their fasting method. He said, but when you do it properly, let me tell you what's going to happen. Uh, and, and this is what he said. In verse six, is this not the fast that I choose to loose the bonds of wickedness, undo the straps of the yoke, let the oppressed go free, break every yoke. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry? So see, he's teaching them how to correct their actions so that their fasting and prayer are pleasing to him. He said, and when you see the naked, you cover him and not hide yourself from your own flesh. But then look at verse eight, because here's where the benefits begin. 
Then, so what what is he saying? Then, after you do the things that are pleasing to me, then your light will break forth like the dawn. So that's the first thing I want to talk about. Then, this is Isaiah 58, verses 8 and 9 now. Isaiah 58, verses 8 and 9. Uh, He said, then will your light break forth like the dawn. One translation said, like the morning. And one of the things that I want to talk to you about, two things actually here, is that many times in Scripture, when it's talking about light, it's talking about revelation knowledge, uh, God's Word, the revealing of God's Word to your spirit. For example, Psalm 119, that God's Word becomes a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path, the light of God's Word. Um, you, you begin to understand uh, that the light of God's word enters into your heart. And, and, and that's uh, what we call revelation knowledge. Uh, in Ephesians chapter one, um, Paul prays this prayer for the Ephesians and says, let the eyes of their uh, understanding be enlightened, that they may know the hope of your calling and the riches of your glorious inheritance in the saints, right? A spirit of wisdom and revelation. So one of the things that happens is that Uh, God's light shines in our lives. God's light, then your light will break forth like the morning. Other translations that are more thought for thought translations uh, will say, and there might put it in, then your salvation will come like the dawn. Because the other half of this is the people of God were believing once again for God's help and God's favor. And so He said, the reason you haven't received my help and you haven't received my favor is because you've not been doing this the way that I want you to do it. And so if you look at the most literal translations of the uh, New Testament here, it says, then will your light break forth like the morning, Uh, thought for thought like the NLT, your salvation will come like the dawn. And I write both of those things here in the book that number one, we're believing for revelation knowledge of God's word. And we're believing for God to show his favor in our families, in our lives, businesses, ministries. Once again, I can't even begin to tell you how vitally important it is to have supernatural revelation of the word of God. You know, and I use this uh, passage in John eight thirty two, where the Bible says, you shall know the truth. And the truth will make you free. So when you know the truth, see that truth that you operate in, which is the word of God, you can't fly any higher than the revelation of God's word that you have currently. You can't fly any higher. You can't go beyond that. Something got in my eye. I'm not sure what it is. I'm trying to get that bad boy out. Um, you can't go any higher than uh, the revelation of God's word that you have. So, uh, if you've ever taken our course on, on miracle word university, uh, on mountain moving faith, one of the things that I, uh, emphasize, and I take a whole video in the course to do it is that faith is compartmentalized. Faith is compartmentalized. People are like, what does that mean? What it means is, uh, that you can have faith for one thing and not have faith for another thing. Faith is not universal. You understand what I mean by that? Faith is topically based. You say, well, what do you mean by that? Well, faith comes uh, by hearing the word of God. 
in the context of Romans chapter 10, where it says faith comes by hearing, it's talking about faith for salvation. But did you know you can have faith for salvation, but have no faith to receive divine healing in your body? But why is that? Because you've never received any teaching and therefore no divine revelation on that subject. It's the truth that sets you free. So what, what happens if you've got no truth? What happens if you've got no truth in the area of healing? Then you can't receive that healing. What if you have no truth in your spirit in the area of financial blessing? Then you can't receive financial blessing. What if you have no truth in your spirit in the area of deliverance from addiction or deliverance from depression or anxiety? Then you have no uh, fuel to bring you into that kind of freedom. And this is why Jesus, when he went back to his own hometown and the Bible says he marveled at their unbelief, lack of faith. So what did he do instead? He went around through their uh, cities, their towns, their villages, preaching and teaching. Well, why did he need to do that? Because faith comes by hearing the word of God. So it is the truth that you know that sets you free. And one of the things that we can see, and I've seen it, is that as I fast and pray, God gives divine revelation. God gives divine revelation of his word. The eyes, it's like the eyes of my understanding are enlightened. I see things I've never seen. I see things I've never seen. You know, and, and God begins to speak and show me things that I've never seen. And it opens my, my, my spirit up to new things in the word of God. And it's wild. You've probably had it happen where you read the same passage that you've read 50 times, a hundred times. But then when that light goes off, the light of God's word, that truth, that revelation knowledge, it's like, man, I have never seen it that way. I have never seen it that way before in my whole life. Throw a hand up in the comments if you've ever been there where you're like, man, I read, I've read that my whole life. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, with the light of God's revelation on it, I just saw something I'd never seen before. Something jumped out at me. Something jumped out at me. People are raising their hand. And it's like, man, I have never seen that. And you start to realize you can never exhaust the word of God. It's eternal. You cannot exhaust the mighty word of God. And so that's, that's the key, is that one of the things that we are believing for as we fast and pray Lee said it happened to him this morning. Uh, as we fast and pray, we're believing that our light will break forth. Revelation knowledge of the word of God. Revelation knowledge. See, our carnal filter, as we begin to fast and pray, our carnal filter isn't operating in the same way uh, that it always does. When you're, you know, some people need fasting and prayer. They've let their flesh take over so much that they need to quiet it uh, so that they can allow their spirit to come alive again. I like this. Job said this in Job 6, 24. He said, teach me and I will be silent. Make me understand how I've gone astray. So one of the things that fasting does is it silences your flesh. It silences your flesh. And it's not that God's uh, not speaking at all times. It's that many times people are so carnal, they can't hear his voice when he's speaking, right? But then again, we're talking about the fact that 
Number two, the Bible says that as we fast and pray, our light will break forth like the morning, or as the new living says, our salvation will come like the dawn. These people needed God's delivering power, his favor again. And that's the thing. Notice that the Bible teaches that uh, God will not withhold any good thing from those who walk uprightly. Not one good thing from those that walk uprightly. Psalm 84, 11. I like that quote from Bishop Oyedepo now. Divine revelation grants us access to divine exemption. And that's a great quote from Bishop Oyedepo. Divine revelation grants us access to divine exemption. What do you mean by that? Well, when you start to realize what's sweeping through this world, and then if you realize that if you'll pour the word into yourself and get revelation of God's, uh, of God's word in your spirit, then the things that are going on for them will not touch you in Jesus' name. It's like I told you yesterday and last night that, you know, I've, I've, tra- I've nonstop traveled for these last two years. I have nonstop been traveling for the last two years uh, on planes, around tons of people, no gloves, no hand sanitizer, only wore a, wore a mask on the plane where they made me wear one, laid hands on hundreds and probably thousands of people uh, through, these, through these last uh, two years. It would definitely be thousands. And, and, and not, not, one, not one inch of my body suffered loss. Not any, uh, I mean, I'm sure I came in contact with the virus many times. You know, you can't, if you're out that much around that many people, I'm sure it came in contact with it many times, but it never touched or entered into and took hold of my body because you can get to that place. As John G. Lake said, where you understand the law of life in Christ and the power of God. You, when you get that revelation that any wicked thing that's coming near me has to die and has to pass from me. There's a hedge of protection around my life. God's keeping me from every wicked thing that's in this world. And you can live in that place. You can live in that place. Well, it's, it's a revelation. You know, I know many Christians that they, they think, well, it's flu season again, just prepare to get the flu. You know, I promise you, I've met so many Christians that all, that they're sitting around and they're talking about, well, you know, that's just how life is. You got to realize people People battle stuff, people go through things and, you know, and that's, that's how they, that's how they live their life. That's not how I'm living my life. I'm not going to live my life that way. I'm going to live my life by the revelation of God's word and experience the favor of God wherever I go. Not settling for what the world settles for. Why? I have access. I've got access to my redeemer. I have a covenant relationship with my redeemer. If I've got a healer, why should I look the same as people that don't have a healer? If I've got a deliverer, why should I look the same as people that don't have a deliverer? If I've got a, if I've got a a provider, why should I look like people who don't have a provider? If I've got a, a comforter, why should I look like those who don't have a comforter. See what I mean? My connection to my redeemer, my covenant connection should make me look different than the rest of the world. Absolutely. It should. 
I like, it's like, it's like what David said. He couldn't even understand why the other soldiers were hiding. He pointed out and said, are you not hearing what this uncircumcised Philistine is saying? This uncircumcised Philistine, right? What was he pointing out? He's got no covenant with our God. He's got no covenant with God. We're covenant people. Why would we sit around listening to the nonsense that this man is spewing when we're the ones who have a covenant? He doesn't have it. He's uncircumcised. See, and I'm not putting up with something that the uh, world is going to put up with just because they're uncircumcised in the heart. Paul said it's a circumcision of the heart. That's what salvation is. A circumcision of the heart. And that's what we're believing. So number one, we're expecting for revelation knowledge and we're expecting for the favor of God to come upon us as we fast and pray. Amen. Number two, what is the second thing it says? Then shall your light break forth like the morning and your healing shall spring up speedily. So the second thing that we're believing for as we fast and pray is for healing to quickly manifest in our bodies. Whatever has been plaguing your physical body has to loose you and let you go as you fast and pray. You know, it's like I hear people ask, and I, I addressed it in the book, you know, in the frequently asked uh, question section where people should say, people say, well, should I fast if I'm on medication? And again, the book is not medical advice and I'm not a medical advisor. I'm not a doctor. I don't have a medical degree. I'm not giving medical advice on this program. But one of the things that I do know about fasting and prayer, and I write about it in the book, because I'm sure people would, this is a thought that I dealt with, because I'm sure people read that and think, well, I thought Jesus purchased our healing. Why should we have to do anything else uh, to receive our healing other than receive what Jesus did? Well, I want to I explain something to you. We all have to do something to receive what Jesus did. Otherwise... What Jesus did would be automatic and every Christian on the earth would be healed of their sickness and disease automatically. There would be no sick Christians. There would be no diseased Christians, but that's not how it works. There's always something. So God has methods of healing, right? God has methods of healing. The laying on of hands is a scriptural method of healing. They shall lay their hands on the sick and they shall recover. That's a method of healing. The spoken word is a method of healing. God spoke the word and healed them. Uh, receiving the written word is a form of healing. In fact, the Bible tells us that in Proverbs chapter four, that he said, my, my son, incline your ear to my sayings. Don't let them depart from your heart. Give them in front of your eyes. They're healing and health to your flesh. So what happens? You can read God's word or listen to God's word and it be healing virtue to your physical body. But along with all those things, prayer cloths. That's another one. Uh, Acts 19, uh, handkerchiefs and aprons were laid upon the body of Paul. And then they were taken to the sick and the demon possessed and their sicknesses were healed and the demons had to leave them. So understand that there are methods of healing. Well, one of those methods of healing is fasting and prayer because fasting and prayer, according to scripture is something where your healing causes your healing to spring forth speedily. And I know I've heard plenty of testimonies of this scriptural passage coming to pass in people's lives as they fast and pray. So people say, 
well, brother Ted, should I fast if I'm on medication? And I know there are medications that you're not supposed to take on an empty stomach. And again, I'm not giving you any medical advice. I'm not telling you what to do, but one thing, and I know there's people that are doing it by faith, but I think to myself, I know this, that the word of God tells us that healing will spring forth if we'll fast and pray. And so I can only think in my, in my own situation, my own life, what, what would I do? I, I want, you know, what would I do in those situations? And I'll tell you that I would rather trust God than to trust in men. I personally would rather trust God than to trust in men. And as a Christian, I know what the Bible says and I want to do what the Bible says and I want to receive my healing God's way. I want to receive it by divine power, not by man's power. I'm not condemning anybody that's ever been uh, healed through modern medicine or science. I'm not condemning that whatsoever, not against those things. But I do understand that they're different than divine healing. That when God heals you, it's one thing. And when you're healed through medicine or surgery or anything, that's another thing. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying there is. The only time it gets wrong is when we start attributing those things to the power of God. Surgery is not the power of God. Medication is not the power of God. God doesn't need the help of a pharmacist to bring you divine healing, right? And I'm not against medication or, or surgery or anything like that. I don't want you to think I am or that I'm condemning people that have gone that route. I'm not. But we do have to make a clear distinction between divine healing and natural healing. <clears throat> and the reason for that is because, as I said last night on the broadcast, if you were to attribute those things to God, who really gets the glory? Who really gets the glory? I just want to give God praise and honor that after seven rounds with chemotherapy, my cancer is received. Does God really get the glory in that situation? God didn't give you chemotherapy. God didn't administer it. He, you know, he's not, see what I mean? So who gets the glory? Who gets the glory? You didn't need God's help in that situation. That's not divine healing. So, uh, and I'm not against those things. I'm just saying that that's not divine healing. But the Bible tells us that as we fast and pray, it's one of the methods to receive divine healing. Then will your healing spring forth speedily? And there's people that are believing for that kind of a, a quick healing in their body. And so we realize that there's a part that we play in our covenant and there's a, a part that uh, God plays in our covenant. Number three, so number one, your light breaks forth, divine revelation, knowledge in God's favor. Number two, divine healing. Number three, the Bible says, and your righteousness shall go before you. This is one of my favorite ones. One of my favorite ones. Your righteousness shall go before you. God gave me a revelation on this and it really stirs me up. We talk about my righteousness. The question is, who is my righteousness? Who is my righteousness? Well, according to the prophet Jeremiah, Jeremiah 23, 6, the Bible tells us that the Lord is our righteousness. Get that. The Lord is our righteousness. So our righteousness will go before us. The Lord will go before us. The Lord will go before us. Uh, look at the picture of this same principle with King Cyrus. Uh, spoken to King Cyrus through the prophet Isaiah. Listen to this principle. 
Isaiah speaking on behalf of the Lord to Cyrus. He said, I will go before you, Cyrus. This is Isaiah 45 verses two and three. He said, I will go before you, Cyrus, and level the mountains. I will smash down gates of bronze and I will cut through bars of iron and I will give you treasures hidden in the darkness, secret riches. That's just a picture of God going before someone and doing it on their behalf. Another picture of God going before someone is second Chronicles 20. And we've taught on that at length when three armies united against God's people, he said, go out against them, but praise me as you do. And as they did, God went ahead of them and caused their enemies to be destroyed. God will go out ahead of you. Even in you look in the old Testament, uh, when, uh, God went with the children of Israel through the wilderness, he was a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night, but they followed, get that. They followed the cloud. They followed the fire. They, it wasn't following them. They were being led. I'll tell you one of the things I preached recently that, uh, really opens your eyes to this, to this aspect that the Lord goes before you and opens up the way. You know, you look at the Red Sea crossing and I've, I've preached many times and you know this, that Psalm 77 reveals why the Red Sea parted for the children of Israel. Because the Bible says that it was God himself that walked through the sea first, but his footprints were unseen. You go read Psalm 77 verses 16 and 19. Psalm 77 verses 16 and 19. His way was through the sea, his path through the great waters, yet his footprints were unseen. You see that? So the key here, God went ahead of them. When Moses held up his staff, the Lord came down and moved through the waters. And look what happened for them when God moved through the waters. The Bible says that the waters parted and they walked across on dry ground. Whoo, hallelujah. Yeah, same thing, Luenda. Joshua 3, he went before the Ark of the Covenant. And the priest stood in the riverbed and the water had to go both ways. God made a way where there was no way. So what did he do? Obstacles were removed. Thank you, Jesus. Obstacles are removed as we fast and as we pray. <laughs> Hallelujah. Obstacles are moved as we fast and as we pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You know, I'll tell you... Um, a very interesting story. Um, and I put it in the, in the book and you can, you can read it for yourself, but my cousin Jessica and her husband, pastor Steve, uh, were having some issues, uh, up in, up in Montreal with their church because, and, and there were certain zoning issues and things like that as they were expecting to build and expand and the church was growing. And there was somebody on the, uh, the city council who basically told him, that uh, you'll never get what you need from us. We're not gonna, we don't want any churches to be built or that's basically what they had done in Montreal is put a moratorium on churches and church buildings and the, on all that. They didn't want any more churches and they needed it because the church was growing at such an expedited rate and uh, they began to fast and pray. 
21 days of fasting and prayer. And on the final day of their fasting and prayer, things broke loose. And here's what's amazing. It broke loose for religious organizations as a whole. And, and literally, there was nothing that the city could, could do any further to hinder them from getting property or getting zoned. And on top of that, uh, corruption was discovered on the city council and people were moved out of the way through fasting and prayer. So it's really, it was, it was a, it was really a, uh, a province changing story because when you think of how powerful what happened was governmentally and it, and it came, I have no doubt through fasting and prayer, no doubt. It's a mind blowing thing to see God work like that. (laughs) It's faith building that obstacles just get moved out of the way as you begin to fast and pray. What is it that's been standing in front of you? What's been stopping you? You see what I mean? What's, what's been holding you back from what God said is yours? As we fast and pray, obstacles are getting ready to move. Why? God is going out ahead of us. God is removing the obstacles. He's making the crooked places straight. <laughs> Hallelujah. I feel it today. He's making the crooked places straight. You know what that means for us? We're going to run with momentum. We're going to run with momentum. Hallelujah. I want you to put it in the comments. I am going to run with momentum. I am going to run with momentum in Jesus mighty name. Hallelujah. Let me, let me read this. uh, Let me read this story to you. Because I, I, th- I know it'll, I know it'll uh, stir your faith. My cousin Jessica and her husband, Pastor Steve, they pastor in Montreal, Quebec. Um, the church had purchased and met in a building. Uh, that wasn't yet zoned for church gatherings. And you can only apply for a zoning permit after you own a building. However, an official on the city council told them, as long as I'm here, you're not getting the permit. Furthermore, as the church grew, they needed to build a new sanctuary, but they couldn't begin construction because they'd been denied a zoning permit. And the church launched into 21 days of fasting and prayer. And on the final day of the fast, corruption was discovered on the city council. The official who was opposing them was removed and replaced. And to further solidify their position, listen to this, the Supreme Court of Quebec ruled that the city's practice of only allowing zoning for houses of worship in certain sections of the city was discriminatory, likening it it to the ghettoization of the past. This ruling set a precedent that not only brought victory to their church, but to all churches that would come after them. The city worked willingly with the church and they continued to expand by the power of God Fasting and prayer brought quick answers to them. Think about that. Not only did God uh, open up the way for Pastor Steve and Jess, but it wasn't just for them. It wasn't just a miracle for them. It was a miracle for every church that would come after them. It set the precedent in Quebec. Think about that. Fasting and prayer opened a door that set a precedent in that province. Supernatural. That's supernatural. And, and, and only God can do those things. 
And so they petitioned him through fasting and prayer. And it's a supernatural transaction that provokes God's interaction. Get it in your spirit. It's a supernatural transaction that provokes God's interaction. Let me go further. The fourth thing that we'll talk about today is that fasting and prayer bring divine protection. That brings divine protection for God's people. I want to uh, read to you again from Isaiah 54. And you know this verse very well. No weapon formed against you will prosper. And you will silence every voice raised up to accuse you. These benefits are enjoyed by servants of the Lord and their vindication will come from me. I, the Lord, have spoken. As we serve the Lord through fasting and prayer, look what it says here. Uh, I'm now in, uh, still in verse eight, Isaiah 58, eight, the glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. God's watching you from behind. Put it, put it in the comments. God's got my back. God's got my back. Divine protection belongs to you. Hallelujah. Divine protection. It belongs to you. (laughs) I think about all the things that the Lord has done, not just for my family, for men and women of God around the world, how their lives have been preserved, their families have been preserved, things that have happened. I mean, it's, it's, it's mind blowing, even for my own life to think of the times God saved my life and, and people praying for me, people fasting over my life and, and believing God for my, for my protection. Your children will be watched over your grandchildren protected. God's got your back. There's multiple times in my life already that I should have been dead and I'm alive. I'm alive to do what God's called me to do. The glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. God's got your back. God's got your back. Don't fear what's going on in this world. Don't fear what's sweeping through the nations. Don't fear what they're talking about on the news. And don't fear evil men and women that have plans. Don't fear any of that. God has your back. The glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. I'm not afraid of terrorists. I'm not, af- I'm not afraid of diseases. I'm not afraid of sicknesses. I'm not afraid of viruses. I'm not afraid of the economy crashing. I'm not afraid. God has my back and he has your back. The glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. No question. The glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Hallelujah. And then here it says in verse nine, then you shall call and the Lord will answer you. Now, so you, I don't have, do I have to really fast for the Lord to hear my prayers? No, no, you don't have to fast for the Lord to hear your prayers. But what we're talking about is expedited answers to prayer, expedited answers to prayer. Because when you fast and pray, look at this, as we've talked about in Hebrews 11, that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. The rewards of God are provoked by diligent seeking. But I want you to see what God said to Jeremiah in the 29th chapter uh, of Jeremiah, verses 13 and 14. Listen to this. God said, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your 
heart. I will be found by you, says the Lord. And so uh, I want to read to you a quote from Arthur Wallace. This was the man that really, for years, this was the book that Pentecostals went to on fasting and prayer. It's called God's Chosen Fast. This was kind of like the standard for Pentecostals and fasting and prayer for years. He writes in that book, when a man is willing to set aside the legitimate appetites of the body, to consecrate on the work of praying, he is demonstrating that he means business, that he is seeking with all his heart and will not let go unless he, uh, not let God go unless he answers. And so you start to realize there are different levels of uh, spiritual forces that fight against you. Jesus said these kind of demons, this kind of attack, it does not come out except through fasting and prayer. And so as we are moving forward, we're weakening the flesh. We're letting the spirit become more sensitive, if you will, quieting the carnal nature. And then we're actively, diligently seeking the face of God. He promised to reward us and show himself strong and mighty on our behalf. And that's part of what this is talking about is that we can expect to have expedited answers to prayers. It's like Pastor Stephen just did, expedited answers to prayers. It didn't take them five years for that to take place. It took 21 days, 21 days. Expect the same for yourself. Number six, expect divine direction. Expect divine direction. That as you fast and pray, you will hear from the Lord. That's one of the biggest things we're expecting in this time of fasting and prayer to hear fresh instruction from the Lord, fresh direction from the Holy Spirit to move in the way that God wants us to move. Listen to Isaiah again, 58 verses 10 and 11. Then shall your light rise in the darkness and your gloom be as the noonday and the Lord will guide you continually. Still talking about when they would fast and pray in a way that's pleasing to him. Notice what he said. And the Lord will guide you continually. Hallelujah. Number six, expect divine direction for the Lord to guide you continually. Can I tell you every time that I've stepped out to do another thing for God, another big step in my life, I've never made a big step choice without fasting and praying. It started all the way back when I was deciding, uh, Lord, where do you want me to go to Bible school? Where do you want me to uh, go to study for ministry? And I had already made up my mind that I was going to go to Zion up north in, in New England. And then as I fasted and prayed, I heard the Lord say, no, you're not to do that. You're to go to Oklahoma and go to Rhema Bible Training Center. So during that time of fasting and prayer, God opened up the, what, what was the right way for me instead of the way that I wanted to go. He showed me his way. The Lord will guide you. After I went to school and I'd given my dad a year of working for him as I promised I would, I was praying again and fasting again. Lord, what's the next step? And sometimes the Lord will speak to you and you don't know uh, and understand what he's saying until after it comes to pass. You just have to trust his leading. And the Lord spoke to me and said, I want you to go on staff with your uncle in Virginia Beach at Dominion Christian Center. And I did exactly, I did exactly what the Lord told me to do. 
I was extremely blessed because of it. I was in the right place at the right time. And then when I met Carolyn and decided, you know what? Uh, Is she the one or is she not the one? I fasted and prayed for three days. Got a green light from the Lord. Everything there was a blessing. Got the word to move to Florida. Well, first we got the move to go on the the road full-time evangelism. And I fasted and prayed about that. And the Lord said, yes, it's time. We obeyed the voice of the Lord. I left staff at Dominion Christian Center and began to travel and evangelize full time and was blessed because of that. Then the Lord spoke to me during fasting and prayer. And he said, I want you to go now and I want you to move to Florida and set up a base there. I did exactly what the Lord said and we're greatly blessed because of it. Every step throughout, throughout my life and ministry has been done through fasting and prayer and the Lord has guided me and my wife every single step of the way. Because when you fast and pray, fresh direction from the Holy Ghost will come to you. God is our shepherd. And the reason that we'll not want or lack for any good thing is because he is guiding us into green pastures and leading us beside still waters. Expect that kind of leading in 2022 in Jesus' mighty name. I remember Roger. Yep, that's right. Very beginning, 2010 is when we first launched out into full-time evangelism. Now look here, number seven, supernatural strength is another benefit. It's another benefit of fasting and prayer. And it's it's actually mind-blowing to me. I've had so many people write in in the private Facebook group comments, I can't even sleep. I slept three hours and I'm up and I'm at them. It's like, Uh, There's not one person, multiple people have written that. And I've experienced the same thing that happens to me a lot of times as I get into fasting and prayer. It's like, oh, I've got all this energy that comes on me. Usually it takes place after that three days, uh, like, you know, today being the third day. And I always, I always encourage people just keep in mind that the three, the first three days of an extended fast always seem to be the most difficult on your flesh. But when you break past that barrier, of three days, it seems to get, seems to get easier and easier. And I will say this, we were talking about this. There are people that are doing the 6am to 6pm fast. I will tell you that the 6am to 6pm fast seems to be harder than doing a a straight up 21 day fast. You'll say, how's that possible? Because because you're always in a, a hunger mode, always every day, all day. And you're just looking forward to that 6 p.m. so you can eat another meal. Whereas in the 21 days, uh, you know, after that three days, it, it becomes much easier. And then you're not always in that starvation where you're like, I got to eat right now. I got to eat right now. What time is it? When's it? Six o'clock. I always feel, I've always felt that 21 days straight is easier on the, especially on the hunger part of things than six to six. But supernatural strength comes on you and you begin to realize it's like, man, I feel my spirit man being stirred. I feel the strength of the spirit coming upon my body. So what does that look like? Well, it's that same uh, verse of scripture that I've often quoted in, in Romans eight eleven that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. Thank you, Ben. Love you. Love you and Amy. Pray it's the best year you've ever had. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you and quickens stirs up, startles, makes alive your mortal body. Hallelujah. Stirs up, makes alive your mortal body. Woo. Hallelujah. So it's that same spirit. What is it? Resurrection power. 
flowing in your life, flowing in your body, stirring you up, healing you, making you whole. Amen. And so, uh, expect that supernatural strength to come upon you. Bible says they that wait upon the Lord shall do what shall renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not be weary. They'll walk and not faint. Yeah. And and let me tell you, fasting and prayer uh, are one of the most direct ways to wait upon the Lord. I don't know how else that you would more fully wait upon the Lord than fasting and prayer. So you ought to expect, see, like the prophetess Anna, she was serving the Lord, worshiping the Lord with fasting and prayer in the temple every day, night and day. It brings that supernatural strength and power to your life. Expect that. Don't expect to drag through 21 days. Expect supernatural strength to come on you to accomplish your purpose. And then let me give you this finally, number eight, victory over temptation. Jesus taught this in Matthew 26. He said, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And so fasting and prayer is one of the ways to not only tame the flesh, look at Jesus. Look at when the devil came to tempt him during fasting and prayer, and he was empowered to overcome every temptation. You'd think, oh, Jesus in his, is in his weakest moment, 40 days of fasting and prayer. He's in his weakest place. And then you begin to realize that every time the devil tempted him, he was in full power, full strength, full authority to overcome temptation. And he told the same thing later to the disciples in Matthew 26, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. So there is, uh, obviously temptation is going to come to every believer. No question about that, but that doesn't mean you have to fall for the Bible says that you can watch and pray. You can fast and pray and gain, uh, victory over temptation. No question. Lenin said, I'm kicking it off first several days, water only, looking forward to pushing past today. Exactly right. That's exactly right. We're pushing in, we're pressing in because we want to see these supernatural benefits take place in our lives. No question. We want to see these breakthroughs. We want to see the miraculous. I can tell you this, that, and, and I'll give you one more as a bonus, number nine, and that is this, that the miraculous is provoked in your life. By fasting and prayer, you provoke the miraculous in your life. You know, all these people that are, uh, you know, that they don't agree with fasting and prayer. Well, you know, you don't have to fast and pray to be powerful or, or they may just be against fasting. You don't have to fast, you know, to have a power. I always wonder about them because Look at the pattern. You know, any, any preacher, any minister that minimizes fasting, I'd really love to hear what they'd have to say to this because if you look back through the ages um, at anybody that did powerful things for God, they were people of fasting and prayer like Jesus, <laughs> Paul, the apostles, the early church that turned the world upside down two days a week, every week. 
Go into modern Christianity. How are you going to argue with people like Dr. Youngie Cho that built the largest church of over a million members in Korea, who was a man of fasting and prayer? Yeah. So, so how are you going to argue with that? How are you going to argue with Pastor Enoch Adeboye, who built the largest, one of the largest Pentecostal uh, moves in the world, and when they do their camp meeting, have millions of people attend it and see miracles, signs, and wonders? How are you going to argue with uh, Dr. and Bishop David Oyedepo, who's built, you know, has the largest church building? has multiple services on Sunday. They're building an arena that'll seat 100,000 people and still have to be in multiple services. How how are you going to argue with the fruit of all the people who have fasted and prayed and fasting and prayers brought them into extreme fruit production for the kingdom of God? I mean, like, I feel like when you hear people talk like that, it's like until you've built something bigger and better and more impactful than Dr. Cho and then, then Enoch Adeboye and Bishop David Oyedepo. And, you know, until you've done something better, until you have proven yourself to be more impactful than Jesus, more impactful than the apostles, more impactful than the early church, you know, it's like you might want to just take a note from the pages of those that have shaken the, the known world with their life and ministry. And it's important. It's not some side thing. It provokes the miraculous, and it truly does. Now, it's not the only thing that does. I know people that have fast and pray, and they're still not powerful. It's like, why not? Because it's not the only element you need. You need the Word of God. You need impartation. There are other things you need as well. There are ingredients. That's why I wrote the book Further Faster, so you could understand that. There are ingredients to walking in the power of God and impartation is a big one. But let me tell you something. You can't go without fasting and prayer. And it, pro- it does provoke the supernatural. I remember when I was frustrated, I didn't even have the supernatural the way I wanted to see it in our ministry. And the Lord just gave me a very plain word. He said, you've gone as far as you can go at your current level of prayer. And so I started immediately Praying and fasting. Andrew said, it all, is it also a coincidence that most of the preachers that are against fasting look like Chris Farley? You know, I can't answer that. I can't, I can't answer that. But I can tell you that, you know, all the ones that I've seen that have shaken the world are people of fasting and prayer. And so you ask yourself, why does it provoke? Because it's showing God you care more about his purpose, his plan, and his agenda than you do about even natural things. And as I began to fast and pray, I remember the very first uh, meeting that we had after that in Canada, and they brought in that blind boy. He was blind in one eye, and I laid hands on him. And, and as I did, and I took my hand off of his eye, he shouted out. He shouted out, I can see. And his eye instantly came open. His mother dropped to the ground, began to weep. Another girl in that same service who couldn't see from any, anywhere, if it wasn't close to her, she couldn't see it at all. I prayed for her. God opened her eyes. She stood in the back of the auditorium and read scripture on the front monitors of the auditorium. 
instantly. She said, I always have to sit in the front row of every class. But in one night, God healed two people's vision supernaturally. It was the first night I preached after that 21 day fasting and prayer. It provokes the supernatural. Uh, scroll back up to Robert's question. I missed that. How do I counter someone who says fasting is the hamster wheel of doing works to get more of God to move his hand? Genuinely asking how? Well, whoever says that to you, Robert, obviously doesn't understand uh, the biblical pattern of fasting and prayer. I mean, just give them this book. Bless them. <laughs> Bless them with it. Because anybody, the hamster wheel, anybody that thinks like that probably is like, you know, that whole grace movement, you know, you don't have to do anything. It's not about you. It's about what Jesus did. Okay. Then explain the extreme dedication of all early Christians and the apostles. Explain why the ones that actually did turn the world upside down are those that were meeting in the temple every day for the hour of prayer that were fasting two days a week. Explain that dedication that they saw the expectation of Christ. They acted upon it and they were empowered to do the works of God. I mean, they're ignoring the very words of Jesus. You know, fasting is a spiritual discipline, Robert. So how would you explain that with any other spiritual discipline? Do those same people believe that about reading the Bible or prayer or church attendance or giving or witnessing? Like any spiritual discipline, why would you try to talk someone out of it? See what I mean? They don't even make logical sense. It's not a very intelligent argument. Brian says, I'm on day four and my chronic knee pain is gone and I generally feel amazing. I love the fast. Health is springing forward speedily. Thank you, Jesus. What a wonderful testimony from Brian. Excellent testimony. And that's what I would say, Robert. You, they would have to explain the supernatural dedication of Jesus, his disciples, and all of the early church and what it produced in their lives. I'd be very interested to hear what they have to say about that. What a dumb thing to, to liken the fasting and prayer to being on a hamster wheel that brings you nowhere. If you need to join the private Facebook group, the link is on the homepage of our website for those of you that are asking. And the link we're getting ready to put in the comments again for you. Uh, and you can go in and join it and be a part of it. Uh, very important, again, to be a part of it because that's where we're answering questions. It's where we're interacting together. We're posting things. We're helping one another. We're staying together on this corporate fast. And we're expecting supernatural benefits from fasting and prayer because the Bible teaches that we will receive them. And so I want to encourage you, expect those supernatural things. Expect God to move in your life like you've never seen him move. Get, get the biggest picture of what God will do in your life. Well, then, well, there you go, Robert. If they're, if they're, if they're universalists, that just shows you that they, they are complete heretics. Complete heretics. It's not even worth arguing with those people. It's not even worth talking about it. They're like completely blinded. So it's, it's a waste of time. Just focus on your life and what you're doing for God. And don't worry about the other stuff. But let me just tell you, expect those big things. Wow. Andrew said, tomorrow he starts Bible school at Dr. Rodney's at the river. And the Friday night, we're having all night prayer. So excited to see how the Lord is going to move. He is going to move. 
and he's moving now. People are being healed. People are being blessed. People are being delivered. And more is to come. We haven't even seen the beginning of this yet. God's getting ready to do such supernatural things. And uh, it's going to be mind-blowing. Well, then pray for them, Robert. Pray for them. Show them. In the, if they're teachable, show them in the scripture, which means you're going to have to dive into the scripture instead of saying, like, I wish I was smarter. Become smarter. Dive into the scripture. Get the answers that you need. This book has all of them. So I, I did the work for you ahead of time. So you don't even have to do the work. You can just read the book and then you'll have the answers. That's why I, I wanted a complete guide to biblical fasting. And that's what it's there for. It's there to help you. Expect big things. Expect things that will blow your mind and blow the minds of those watching. That God will get all the glory for. I'm praying for you here at the end of the broadcast. Because supernatural things are going to take place. Father, I'm praying for every person watching and listening. We expect the windows of heaven to open over our homes, over our families. Do something that is so out of place that people will have to just stop and stare at the goodness of God. Take all the glory. I pray, Lord, for those that have had those obstacles standing in front of them for decades, sicknesses and diseases that have traveled through their family line. And I pray, Lord, that it stops today. I pray that everything would be broken supernaturally, that they would walk in divine healing and health. They would walk in strength and in power. Lord, I pray for those that are battling addictions, those that cannot seem to get free from nicotine and alcohol and drugs and prescription medication and pornography. Set them free by the power of the Holy Ghost. And I thank you, Lord, for that. I give you praise for that in Jesus' mighty name. And Lord, I ask you that today that you would open the windows of heaven, bless those that are in need of a financial increase as they are sowing their seeds, honor those seeds and bring a quick harvest into their hand in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, we ask you most of all, give us fresh direction for this year. Give us fresh, clear direction for 2022. What direction are we going? Where do you have us going? What do you have us doing so that we can quickly obey you? For your word declares, you're the Lord our God that teaches us to profit and leads us in the way that we should go. And so we expect to hear it, Lord, the way that we should go. In the mighty name of Jesus, we thank you and we give you all praise for what's about to happen. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm excited too, Diane. Again, we're going to give you an opportunity during this fast to sow a seed today. And people are stepping out and sowing large seeds. They're doing what the Lord's telling them to do. I want to encourage you to do the same. This is not just a spiritual thing. We're not just expecting spiritual blessings or mental blessings or physical healings. We're also expecting financial increase. Expect financial increase. Do you believe this is the year that you could be completely debt free? Do you believe this is the year that student loan debt could be canceled and credit card debt canceled? Sow a seed that will provoke the hand of God. And I'm telling you, uh, one of the things that I, <laughs> you know, this, this blows my mind. Thank you, Hope. I, I was in, I've been in services before where they don't truly challenge people to sow at a place of faith. They merely calculate how many people are in the crowd and whatever their budget is, and they do the division. And say, well, if everybody here gave $50, if everybody here gave $100, you know, that would meet that. So then they encourage people and they get up in the pulpit. I want to encourage you to sow a breakthrough seed of a hundred dollars. 
And let me just tell you, for most people, $100 is not a breakthrough seed. For most people, it's not a breakthrough seed. Now, for some it is. Everybody's at a different level. But for the majority of Americans, you start to realize that people aren't even, that's not even a tithe on a welfare check. So what, when you think about your giving, think about it this way. What can I release that will move the hand of God? It has to move my faith if it's going to move the hand of God. Don't do something that doesn't mean anything to you. Don't do something that you'd quickly drop at a restaurant. What is going to mean something to you and mean something to God? Gina said, the church I'm going to doesn't even do an offering or an altar call. It's time to get out of that church as quickly as possible because they don't understand scripture and they obviously uh, aren't doing what the Bible commands. <laughs> it's, not a, it's, not a, uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's not an option to give to God. It's, we're commanded to give to God. And it's, it, to call people to Christ is not an option. Go somewhere else. Find a better place. And it's worth the drive. It's worth the drive to go to a good place. So there on the screen, you can see all the ways you can sow your seed. Go to miracleword.com. You can use Zelle, PayPal, Facebook, Venmo, uh, Cash App, hashtag donate, cryptocurrency through Coinbase app. If you'd like to sow via uh, crypto, Ethereum, Bitcoin, XRP, Litecoin, Cardano, however you'd like to sow, do it. And God will bless you. God will bless you. And I'm going to tell you, like Lynn Ann said, if you hear an amount inside you that makes you sweat, it's probably the Holy Ghost. And I totally agree. I've been there many times. And again, my goal is to go higher. That's exactly what Carolyn and I just finished doing to set up a first fruit seed for this year. So the largest one that we've ever sown in our lives. And I'm just telling you, we're going to see such increase in this year that it's going to be mind blowing. It's going to blow my mind and I'm expecting it because he does more than we can ask or think. I love Frank's example. Frank said he drives 45 minutes to go to Peckville and there's a church right across the street from his house. So exact. He knows what I'm talking about. He knows what I'm talking about. Andrew said, my wife and I sold our first ever thousand dollars seed into your ministry at the beginning of 2020. And at the time we're living in New York and dead church less than a year. Now we live in Florida and attend the river. It's amazing. It's amazing. I hope to see you soon, Andrew. I'm not far from there. Only about three and a half hours. Amen. It was so fun, Lenan. I love to give. I love to give. I love to sow. Because I know, well, first of all, it's because... I love the Lord and I love, it's like the same way you feel like, you know, that, that, that love to give feeling that you feel when you bless your loved ones, your wife, your husband, your children, your friends, and then you love the Lord that much more. You feel that love when you give to the Lord. I love to give to the Lord. I love it. I love it. But also I know what it produces. I know what it produces. And so I'm very excited for what 2022 has in store. Again, don't forget, there's a brand new episode of the Last Gen Podcast. Carolyn did a takeover, and she did uh, a brand new episode that's live now called Staying Pure in an Impure World. You can get that on the Last Gen Podcast, as well as follow them on Instagram, the.last.gen. Again, these two books are available, paperback and ebook for you to help you through the fast. Jump into the private Facebook group. We are live tonight again, 9 o'clock. 
For those of you that are sewing, here's what we're doing in the month of January. We've kind of did it, done it in, in a tiered way. If you're partnering with us at, a, at, at a $85 or more, we're going to be sending you this book that I love by Dr. Lester Summerall, Adventuring with Christ. His stories of going around the world and seeing supernatural things happen in his life and ministry. This is our gift to those of you that are sewing $85 or more. If you are sewing $250 or more, we're also including with that book another one of my favorites, How We Got the Bible. This is an eye-opener. If you don't understand how we got scripture, the, the Bible that we have today, how it came to pass, how we recognized those books as being God's word, nobody chose it. Nobody chose what books would be in the Bible. They were recognized and we understood they were God's word. This gives the full history. It's very interesting read and it'll help you to know your Bible even better. And then of course, for those sewing $1,000 or more, we're going to include with those two things, uh, this, not, not the life application study Bible, but this is the, the leather like edition of the NET full notes edition, the net Bible. I love this Bible so much. I love these notes. Uh, I love all the work that went into this. I, I've told you this many times. I feel like this is such a priceless gem for our generation. I think it's one of the most important things that's been given to English speaking Christians in the last couple hundred years to be very, very honest with you. And I mean that. And the reason I say that is because there's so much scholarly work that went behind this and you get a behind the scenes view of why the Bible was translated into English the way that it was. And you get all these textual notes, scriptural notes, uh, all kinds of stuff that'll help you. And uh, this is our gift to you, those that are sewing $1,000 or more. And of course, for those that are sewing largely, $5,000 or more, we have something called the Elite Study Collection, where you will receive what I consider to be the best study tools that we have available uh, for those that are getting ready to study the Bible of over 100,000 notes on scripture in a keepsake box just for you. And uh, it'll help you to dive deep into your Bible study. I can't wait to see you tonight. Don't forget nine o'clock. It's gonna be a, another powerful night. These have been amazing sessions, absolutely amazing sessions. I love you, have a great day, and I'll talk to you again tonight at nine o'clock, bye. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.